Welcome to the fourth pillar of play, a night shift radio production where we support your adventure in tabletop game design by discussing, learning, and creating right alongside you. And the you in this instance is not Josh. <laughs> I am not. You are not Josh. Well, that's that's fair to say. No, but not. we are very, very happy to have with us our friend Todd from Superpod HeroCast, who has kindly and benevolently uh, volunteered to jump in. Um, Josh is uh, dealing with some things that came up in his life, and so he's not available today. But we will be back with him next week. But today, Todd, thank you so much for, for hanging inviting out. myself to your podcast. I yeah. love that. <laughs> I love that because I was sitting there going, "Oh man, well, I, I was gonna. I thought about doing a so. I thought about doing a solo and writing a short story and start doing oh, a short yeah. story in Estrock. Because I've okay. told you before that I want to do like short little yes. five minute audio dramas yes, yes, yes. for Estrock and put them up. But I was like. Oh, that means I've got to write it because this was a sudden like, okay. Uh, and I was like, I don't want to talk to this. <laughs> so uh, we were at an event. We were at uh, an event yesterday. Yep. Uh, we were sharing what was happening with Josh, mm -hmm. talking about it. You pointed out that you were supposed to record. Obviously, you were not. And I said, well, I could come guest. <laughs> and I'm so happy you did <laughs> because, you know, for our 35 listeners, I don't want to let them down. Literally dozens of us. <laughs> in, that's right. <laughs> and we're and we're really we're muscling through. Yeah. We're muscling through. <laughs> so uh you know, Superpod Hero Cast, uh, I am a guest here in the fourth pillar of play, all spelled out. And uh I brought my mic, um, and you said, hey, just also grab a mic cable. And technically, yeah, I did. Technically, you did. I did. And I, <laughs> I grabbed this really exotic. It's an XLR cable that goes into a USB plug and which not, is not a straight XLR. Which is not XLR. what our recorder ever did. Nope. And we did try. We tried. We, we tried. tried. We did all sorts of different things to make it work. So we're kind of going back old school, like sharing a mic literally between the two of us. And just the two yeah, of us. That's right. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna gaze into your handsome face <laughs> while we're talking. Which is gonna make prolonged eye contact <laughs> it's for, gonna make, for 30 to 45 minutes. I don't know if you're gonna be able to hear that on the audio, <laughs> but it's gonna feel great. It's I gonna when I start something like, yo, what, what's next, Todd? <laughs> oh, come here, Tal, and I'll tell you all about it. And what are those noises? Uh, the monsters. Yeah. They're <laughs> slimy monsters. That's right. Tentacles. That, okay. Um, hey, we should probably let's. Uh, yeah. 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 So our entire premise for the the idea for today's episode, um, until we come back with our with our regularly scheduled program, um, Todd had a great idea. He said, "Let's let's talk about." Well, I'll, I should let you talk. T tell me about the idea you pitched that I thought was so brilliant. Uh, so I did pitch it. So uh, I I had this idea. I, my idea or my you know my view on your podcast, which I love, is that it's all about this. Thing that any player of, of role playing games goes through the trials and tribulations of how do you make it yours? How do you go beyond the published content and start to make it your own character, adventure, world, game system? Right. Yeah. That, right. Yeah. System. Right. I mean, think about the first thing that most people do when they start playing a game. They they go, well, what what are the house rules that I'm going to do? That's right. Right. Does What's anyone the does anyone run a game of D and D as written? I've got a horror story about what happened when I tried it way back in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons oh, days. <laughs> like if you don't home rule, home home rule anything, you don't have feats. That that's right. That's the right. First thing right off the gate, you don't have feats. You don't. Uh, you know. You there's you, no flanking. There's no flanking. Which, Those poor rogues are yeah, never sneak attacking. Never, never, never. So the whole idea was uh, another segment of your show that I love is the random encounter. So let's have a random encounter 
about random encounters. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get it in there somehow. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so let's have a random in- random encounter episode about the why are we here? Like, because it's it's not easy to do, and mm-hmm. you learn lots of things along the way. And looking back, there's lots of things that I can look back at and laugh about things that I tried that absolutely did not work. Sure. And I'm sure anyone playing this game has that. So I would love to know. So I'm going to share the stuff that didn't work for me. Can't wait to hear your take. And I would assume that your listeners have similar perspectives. If they've played a role-playing game, they've had the, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly experiences. Exactly. And if there's one thing that that nerd and geek culture, and I don't say that as a pejorative, the one thing they do love to point out what they don't like. Oh, we love it. It's, we it's love, one of we our favorite things. You know, there's an unfortunate level of negativity. From, but we're not coming at this from a negative place. We're not coming at this from like a place of ill intent. This is a... We're, we're, we're learning. We are learning. That's right. And, you know, happy little accidents. Bob well, Ross, happy tell, little accidents. Why do we fall? We fall so that we can pick ourselves up again. That's right. Yeah. And with that... Let's begin. Let's begin. Okay. So... I, what I did in preparation for this is I kind of, uh, oh, sorry, so, wait, sorry, wait, hold on. Uh, New format. Sorry, I'm really, really also, taking over this. <laughs> no, so this sorry. is, this is great. So. He just eyeballed me real hard. I, I, I did. I really, I really inserted something there. Uh, so over at the Superpod Hero I'm going to have to mark this one, not you, safe for work, aren't I? I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. Also, by the way, if you hear more. Clumping and bumping and the rattling of Daisy the podcast dog is because the gain is turned up to pick up both of our voices, which is also picking up the wonderful plethora cornucopia of environmental sounds That's in right. the recording room. It's organic, like it, a fern. It exactly. That's it's right. organic. So over at the Superpod Hero Cast, yes. uh, and uh, me and my co-host Casey, we are... Link in the show notes. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. Uh, we the first pa- time I heard that, I thought it was guys with beards. Yep, Josh explained that when beards. we had him on our season opener. I'm like, dude, I've known you for almost two years, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so um, shame on my poor enunciation. We are guys with beers talking <laughs> about movies with capes. So um, uh, I brought beer with us, which sadly is a little bit warmer. <laughs> Well, you did. It, the beer went and saw Oppenheimer. The beer saw Oppenheimer and probably made it through like two of the three hours still cool in the cooler. <laughs> not, quite, not quite cold enough to drink. But um, downstairs in your fridge, which we might have later, yes. is uh, from Underground Beer Labs, Ooh. their elemental experiments. Because what is your show if not an experiment in And there's design? elementals. And there's elementals. It writes itself. <laughs> Uh, but that's not what we have we'll right now. We'll very much enjoy those later. <laughs> that's right. Um, but we are going to drink a couple of beers. Now, both of these are from Willow Rock Brewing Company. Where is Willow Rock Brewing Company? Down in the valley. They oh, are... oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah so uh, if you haven't been there, one, their beers are amazing. Two, they have great beer names, which makes it really easy to pair stuff with the beers. Yes, they're very fun. Uh, what one are you looking at? You're uh, looking at? I'm drinking their American Pale Wheat Hammock Days. Hammock D- D-A-Z-E? D-A-Z-E. I mean, yep. I'm drinking Bear Ninja Cowboy. <laughs> that was a special one for you. Do you want to tell the folks the style this and the is a, This is an imperial stout um, uh, with 9% alcohol by volume, which is why this is going to be a hysterical podcast <laughs> by the end. And, and where's your cheer. house? We're at your house, so it's totally fine. You're not going anywhere. It's, it's, exactly. Exactly. Oh, oh, oh. Little, that's some ASMR. Yeah, that's right. 
Foley work. It's fabulous. Okay. All right. Hey. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, Thank buddy. you so much. Thank you. Oh, I got a little I got a little heady with my pour there. Uh, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. That is delicious. That'll do, pig. That'll, that'll do. That'll do, pig. <laughs> that'll do. I was just saying this to Jody the other day. That'll do, pig. I, I I've conflated babe and Shrek. <gasps> so I say that'll do, pig. <laughs> and Where, Shrek. There is a James Cromwell, right? Yes. James Cromwell is like that'll do, pig. That's right. And then <laughs> Michael Myers Scottish. goes that'll do, donkey. Yeah, that's right. And so now I've just blended them together. That that'll do, pig. Got it. It's uh, you're you're approaching the singularity. That's mm-hmm. clearly what it is. All the content is, becomes the same. That is exactly correct. So these, thank you so much to Willow Rock Brewing Company. And the other brewing company was? Uh, Underground Beer Labs. Underground Syracuse. Beer Labs so as well. We got a couple Syracuse breweries. Syracuse is really awesome for brewing. It really is. There's, Guys, like, we have no shortage of brewing companies. No, we don't. And the boom in popularity in brewing companies is something I can I really appreciate. <laughs> same, same. So. Um, so, all right. So when you start a new game... now. Mm-hmm. We both we both go back. I, we've talked about this on the show before. Yeah. Your gaming experience goes back to f- uh, s- first, second edition, uh, first. Oh, advanced Dungeons and Dragons okay. first edition, like white box, right? Uh, well, no, those oh. were the hardcover books. Okay, but I, I actually goes back before that to the purple box mm-hmm. basic Dungeons and Dragons. When, okay, you know, elf, dwarf, and halfling were the classes. classes. Yes, yes. yes. So you you've got a squares I picked up in second edition. Okay. Um, in the mid nineties, so yeah, early nineties, yeah. early nineties, which was only like ten years ago, right? That's what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because exactly. we're both so young. <laughs> again, that <laughs> the uh, if if Back to the Future were made today, they'd be going back to nineteen ninety three. Okay. <laughs> well, that's enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I was trying to think. I was thinking about Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the fact that I'm very excited for the Beetlejuice sequel. Sure. That's coming out, and I'm like, okay. So Beetlejuice, Lydia and Beetlejuice was like 14, 15. That was 1987. Okay. It's been 37 or 30, 30, something weird like that. It's like 37 years yeah. later. So she's... And Jenna Ortega is playing her daughter. So I'm like, oof. Yeah. So we get to see what Lydia's like in her mid-50s. Yeah. Because that'll be really interesting. It's, let's, Until, hope it doesn't suck. I hope it doesn't suck. I really don't. It's uh, Michael Keaton's favorite movie that he's made. I love Michael Keaton. Uh... You don't like Beetlejuice? No, no, no. Oh, I love oh, Beetlejuice. I thought there was a butt I, no, 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 there. No, no, no. Well, my, my, the butt is, but don't make a sequel unless it's, it's going to really be good worth it. Yeah, unless it's going to be worth it. So, But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if his improv chops are still up there because he improved most of the first movie. I'm sure I'm sure they are. Yeah. I have no concerns. It was before Batman. It was before Batman. It was before Batman. Yeah. So, cool. All right, so we think about design elements. Uh, um, what are some of... The design things, the, the missteps. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. We learn from our mistakes. So what are some of the mistakes? You tell me about some of these mistakes that you're, sure. you've are got in your head. You know, I think, uh, and you said a word earlier that I think perfectly sums it up. And it is that homebrew concept, right? Mm-hmm. Homebrews have always been a part of the tradition of Dungeons and & Dragons. and Personalization. Yep. Right? Like, it, it's always been there. Um, but I think it, I'm now at an age where... When I'm when people are learning a game that I already know, my first direction to them is usually like, just learn the game as written. 
don't mm-hmm. right like i i think it's that that instinct to well i can i know better i've seen this for all six definitely weeks definitely a law of diminishing returns yes. on adaptations to the base game yes yes uh so way back when in those original purple box days um i've got three younger brothers uh our youngest brother joey was too young to play D with us but me chris and matt played extensively and with three of us playing usually i was the dm they would each run two characters you have a party mm-hmm. of four it's totally doable um i think the first bad homebrew decision i made was boy it's so complicated to roll up characters and roll up these stats 3d6 and you do them in order you know what just put an 18 down for all of your stats for each <laughs> of the characters <laughs> well i'm sure they had a great time <laughs> For about a half a session, I was like, okay, well... We're, we're done. Maybe not so much. Oh, man. Yeah, because that's right. It was 3d6. No dropping a, four, a fourth d6. No. And you just went in order. In order, yeah. And you picked your class first, didn't you? Or did you pick your class after rolling the stats? Oh, boy, that's a good question. I don't... Because that could be like, I, I'm going to play a wizard. You roll your stats and your intelligence is three. I I think you I think you might you may have picked your class first. Boy, this is this yeah. you threw me on that one. Yeah, I it's woof. But you know, I think that's the challenge of of kind of like stepping into this game. The I am of the opinion that the best way to learn the game is to sit down at a table with people who are more experienced with it, mm-hmm. right? Like the social aspect of learning next to others i think is so critical which i love about this podcast yeah the way that you're not kind of doing everything off um like off mic and then coming in with a, du- a finished product we try not to belabor the math too much but yeah we're, we really do like we always joke about like well the silent the the the, the noise gate or the that we'll truncate the silences where we sit there staring off into space for 30 seconds because we don't know what to say or what to what mm-hmm. the answer is until one of us goes oh i know so um so yeah, making all the stats eighteen, uh, not a not a overpowering approach. your characters. Yes, right. Yeah. Like no dynamics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no stakes, no conflict, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this is building towards, I think, some things that I can't wait to hear how oh, yeah. you yeah. how you view Estrock. Um, the second mistake that I remember making when I started playing was, uh, and I got coming to Dungeons and Dragons, I think like many people through a love of fantasy and sure. science fiction, right? So. Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. hugely impactful. Ursula K. Le Guin. Ursula K. Le Guin, a Wizard yeah. of Earthsea, right? Then, then I was a Dragonlance kid. I had I had a shelf like that. that yes. right there that I'm pointing to that the people can't see. <laughs> Full of every Dragonlance book there was because it, it gave my parents something they could give me to get me out of their hair. That's right. Uh, the good old days of B. Dalton. There was a small but mighty section of fantasy literature there, and Dragonlance was, was key there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the things that I latched onto early... That did not work and definitely links to some of the stuff you've got here. So I remember, you know, I made a, we'll make a take the ring to Mount Doom episode, sure. right? Yeah. And um, very quickly saw that these properties that are wonderful stories that are great to read don't necessarily translate good to a play environment. Yes. Right. Um, and I'm of the opinion today. So I've, I, I could not tell you how many role-playing systems I've owned, looked mm-hmm. at, tried, discarded. Because you've got to try a bunch. Yeah. You have to, you have to, and a lot of people don't. I would say that that's, that's a mistake that a lot of people make. Mm-hmm. They, they just refuse to try anything different. They're like, well, I, and the big one you'll see a lot of people say is like, well, people just won't ever try anything other than Dungeons and & Dragons. And 
you know, it's Dungeons and I will not say that Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons I think is the best role playing game system ever written, mm-hmm. but. Once I think it's more that people learn it first because it's the most ubiquitous. Sure, sure. And then they, it takes a lot of risk. It takes a lot of uh, of taking some, taking you know a couple of chances with other people to play a game, learn the rules. That you might not be immediately comfortable in jumping off that safety net once you've established it. That's right, and I think once you do start exploring the other spaces, I think you start to get a sense of. Um, one, what do you like versus dislike, but even just, oh, this isn't a mechanic or an element in the game I usually play, but it's here and it's really interesting. So just a couple of weeks ago, we entertained one of our our long-running party that I play mm-hmm. in, our um, Candlekeep Guardians, mm-hmm. Guardians of the Tome. We're pretty cool. Maybe yeah. you've heard of us. Uh, uh, one of our players, Ryan, his brother-in-law was in town Yep, and hosted a game out at... Freight Yard Brewery, Brewery, right? We love Freight Yard. Go out there, play some games, hang out. And uh, Ryan's brother-in-law, Samson, hosted a game of Ten Candles, which yep. I had never played before. I had heard of it and read about it, but I had never played it. So that was first for me. Uh, and you don't, you know I love my horror. You, yes, right? So first of all, love, you were hooked. I, I like my horror, so. Uh, I, I tend to be a little bit of a... A little bit of a rules lawyer. I like the structure. I like... Oh, yeah. So that must have driven you crazy uh, for a hot second. For a hot second, it did. But it is, I would say, the exact opposite end of rule lawyer, mm-hmm. right? It is a storytelling game. Yeah, it's not a It's not a game. No. Uh-uh. Well, it's... It, see, it, this it's, is... It's a game. It's under the broad umbrella of a game. It is under the broad umbrella of a game. But, yeah. So, and and I had, and I still think I do... I really liked Ten Candles, but I have some areas where I'm like, that's not my my favorite thing. Like the so the stating of the truths. Yes. I was like, so where is the line on what truth I must say? Do I have to say I'm wearing pants? Because every time we assumed something, it was did you did you say that? Sure. I'm like, well, okay, are uh, there's got to be some? Am I wearing pants? (laughs) <laughs> you know, but I think it's those, one, I, I love the randomness of, I'm not an expert in the system. So mm-hmm. I don't have like, I would assume that if I play that system 20 times, by the 21st time, I would have like my crib sheet of, these are the first four truths that I'm going to say, because I know that this will set up whatever I need to do. Right. Like, I would have those like chess opening moves memorized. And oh, take he's, away he's some opening of the with the utility gambits. Exactly. Oh, you have a fully stocked arsenal and safe room because you're a prepper. That's right. I get it. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> um, but we you know, we didn't have any of that, which, one, I would love to get Samson's thoughts on, is the game more interesting or not with players who've never touched it before? Right. And is it more challenging to run when you have that group of, of novices there? Yeah. It, it was a cool experiment. It was cool. It was yeah, fun to play. We're going to play it again. Oh, we're totally going to play it again. Yeah. Uh, I think um, Friendsgiving, I think we've talked about yes, the fire pit. Yes, with the fire pit and yes. actually burning stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. fire is what we need. That's right. Mixed with beers. With beer. It's going to be totally fine. It's fine. So um, you've spoken many times, I know, about your love of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, um, you've got... Is that a Cthulhu? I, I you've got some stuff... No, this I've got one thing I don't have sitting here in front of me is my my okay. Cthulhu book. But you do have a um, horror book in front. of I us. do have a horror book, which is that I am desperate to play this game. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'll show you this one. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about Call of Cthulhu. So, 
So even looking at how they have fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, or Dungeons and Dragons in general is probably the most play-tested tabletop RPG in the world. To date. To date. Yeah. But it, it, because it's the oldest, so sure. it has been played the most and revised over and over. Sure. And I remember reading a cool article, and I, we referenced it in a show, where someone said it was um, a moment of brilliance when they finally took second edition D&D, and they said, let's get rid of all of the subtractive math and build <laughs> everything just on a D20 that gives you a percentage of success. Sure. It was brilliant. It's this monumental change. And all I could think of was, well, isn't that what Call of Cthulhu, the game, has always been? Because it's just, it's on a D100. But it's sure. a million skills, yep. and everything you do is on a percentile chance of a D100 on a million different skills. Yep. Um, not to take away from the change, because I certainly love, as cute as remembering Thacko is, <laughs> it was a nightmare at hey, the table. Hey, kids. So, Well, but ironically, it was better than the old system, right? It was a single number. So in second edition right. Dungeons & Dragons, this concept... Thacko, two-hit armor class zero. Right. Right, so if you're... Uh, and I think you... Because your armor class got lower and lower the more armor you put on. Right. And I'm having, I still have a hard time remembering it and going yes. through how it worked. I'm trying to think how it would have been... Yeah, so it must have been... So you, you're Thacko, then you... You subtracted your armor class from the Thacko. And if you subtract a negative, so a negative three AC was really, really good. Ten was like unarmored. Right. Right. Nine was like a shield, right? Like exactly. Counted, so so if I remember right, to hit armor class zero, you would subtract your opponent's armor class. So a ten was the, the so threshold. I roll, I, roll, you, I roll a ten on the die, and their armor class is ten. I subtract the ten from my ten, zero, I hit. Uh, well, oh, the, well, you'd know you'd know what the Thacko was first. Right. So let's say your Thacko was fourteen. Okay. And you're trying to strike an unarmored person whose armor class is ten. Right. You would subtract the ten from the fourteen Thacko, which leaves four. Uh huh. And then a roll of four better. You, you win. You right? win. You hit. Oof. On a negative AC, which is better, mm -hmm. you could have a negative three AC. That seventeen became. I'm sorry, that 14 became a 17. Because uh, when you subtract a negative, you add it. You add. It's, it, there's a very good reason why... Why we jumped we're, to we're, just we're set up the way Adding is easier than subtracting. It's just, it just is. Um, after I tried the make all the, the stats 18, mm -hmm. and I think many players go through similar phases. You go through a phase where you go incredibly loose and open and... Um, sometimes it's called the Monty Hall mm -hmm. stage of your campaign, right? Where every character has a plus five Vorpal longsword, yep. you know, at level one, everything. Um, then you swing the exact opposite direction and no home rules. Everything is written. And in first edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, which is not the purple box, this is where race and class are two different right, dimensions. Right, exactly. Um, there was rules as written. Every weapon, because you know Gary Gygax was like a medieval arms and armor geek, right? Because Dungeons and Dragons was born out of realistic chainmail, chain like realistic tabletop Do war gaming. War gaming, yes, yeah. yes. What if you, with the idea, what if instead of controlling, controlling an army. a unit, I want to control a hero? Exactly. Yes. Um, every weapon, and first of all, there were there were like I don't know, 10, 12 different pole arms. 
a Beck to Corbin, a, a beaked axe, like all these different ones. I remember that. Every weapon had a specific attack roll modifier against specific armor types. Mm -hmm. So, you know, leather armor might be more effective against bludgeoning. Bludgeon, or... yeah. Like chainmail was less effective against piercing because right. a of... spear was good against chainmail yeah. because it only it really blocks slashing. So. And, of course, this is pre-Thaco, so you'd, mm -hmm. like, write out your scores for everything. Then, theoretically, you would apply this weapon modifier for the armor class of your weapon. Like I said, Daisy the Podcast Dog. Hey, buddy. Hey. Hey. Hi, Daisy. Okay. She just wanted to sneeze so that everyone knew she was there. So... I think that's a very common phase where you go through this, like, militant, mm -hmm. no home rules as written. I don't think that lasts, but I'm curious, like, what have you experienced where you, you've said, you know what, this is too severe. Like, yes, it's the rule, but I'm not doing that. It's too, it's so too hard. my journey of DMing. So I, I remember trying to DM as a 13-year-old. It was, it was a catastrophe. Mm -hmm. So when I say, like, my first experience with Dungeons & Dragons was second edition in the 90s, it was owning books and reading them. Not really playing a whole heck of a sure. lot, but I was obsessed. Because like you need a group. But you need a group. I had one friend, and we would, we tried playing the Dragonlance, War of the Lance module. Yeah. And it was... Just, I remember trying had, to make Raceland... character cards were... You could cut out... Yes, exactly. You could cut out from the back and I remember of trying to make Raceland do a flip over a table <laughs> in the end of the last home in Solace. And then... Ah, uh, Tika. Like, that did... Oh, Tika. Tika. As we stare off wistfully. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And it just, you know, so I ended up collecting and just reading through those books a ton. But uh, then my, I came, I kind of fell out of the hobby for a while. And then it wasn't until I, I moved in. So I'm burping a lot. That's, that's <laughs> the, the how do you guys burp? Do you guys edit out all the burps? <laughs> Listen, you, I, didn't, I didn't come here to paint. <laughs> um, it was, I moved into a house and then my next door neighbor, who I moved next to, we were just, saying hi to the neighbors, and they're like, well, hey, come on in, and something like that. And um, his wife said, show him your basement. And he and he was, like, kind of, like, shy and embarrassed. And she was like, just show him your basement. And I was like, oh, okay. And Wait, so, so this is the, like, the, the, the next, husband? This is oh. the husband, the, okay. of my, my hus the husband next-door neighbor. And he takes me down to the basement. Oh, this this story could go so badly. I'm I hoping... Right, yeah, I know, <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's where we'll go to break. No, um... <laughs> No, and there's a you know, in the and there was a sign. Door dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a sign hanging like on the if the, there was a finished basement. There was a sign that said the dungeon. Again, could go either could way. Could go so many different ways. Yep. And we went down, and it was his entire finished basement was Dungeons and Dragons. So oh, table, golf clap, golf clap, art on the walls, um, thousands of miniatures. So what era? When is this? Like he year? started playing. Well, when was this? This was, this was probably 2007, okay. 2008. Right. It was 3.5. Okay. I, yeah. I immediately was like, oh, and like the joy relit yeah. inside me. I was like, can I play? Yes. And we started off and then um, played for years um, and then started up our group. Basically, sure. oh, was, okay. was our group, uh, was the next big group that I ran. Um, and I DM'd back in 3.5. Five or fourth? No, it must have been three point five. I DM'd a Dark Sun game, and then in fourth, wow. I DM'd an Eberron game. Okay, um, I think, but I DM'd both of those. I did Dark Sun and Eberron, 
Which I love. Two challenging, two interesting but potentially challenging settings. Candlekeep is the first time I've DM'd in Faerun. Oh. It's always been something kind of different. It's my favorite setting, I it, will admit. It's, it's a kitchen sink setting. It's it's perfect. Sure. You can do anything in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's great. And I remember as a kid, I never read the Forgotten Realms novels. The Dragonlance, the Dragonlance ones were better. And, and more consistent. Yeah. The, the Forgotten Realms novels were all like... Indivi- well, many of them were individual, mm-hmm. and the quality... Varied. I thought about telling Jody to read some Forgotten Realms novels to get a feel for the world, but then I was like, no, don't. Because yeah, the have world to is cura- so different. We'd have to curate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm like, I, I mean, the gods sort of died and came back and had avatars and died again. I, yeah. Um, but I have always been a more story... Uh, Dramatics-based DM. Okay. Um, not, you are, you I am, are an, I am you are an English a, teacher. I, yeah, exactly. I am not a tabletop wargamer. Strategy has never been my strong suit. Okay. Um, so, like, I'm really grateful for Keith Amon's book. Oh, you yeah. ever read The Monsters Know What They Are Doing? No, no, no. But I've, it's a great. I've it. He has a series of them. The Monsters, and then there's the More M O A R More. Yeah. Monsters Know What They Were Doing. It's how to defend your lair and how to not and how to survive a dungeon or something. It's got four books now. But it's monster strategies. Sure, sure, he sure. He breaks them down. He does a straight-up um, analysis of monsters. And well, this would be an evolved monster, which means it would try to survive. Sure, sure. This is a... They will run away at this ace, at this hit point level. They'll do... It's really that, brilliant. Book. That used to be a morale, uh, mechanic. Yeah. The morale, right? Mm-hmm. Like, every round, they might they might run. Right? Yeah. Um, did you ever design things... So, great, great jumping-off point. Did you ever design adventures that logically make no sense? Like, here's a room, and there's a goblin in it. And there's one passageway that goes into this room. And there's green slime on the ceiling, and yellow mold on the walls, and a black pudding on the floor also of the ca- hallway leading into See, it. See, this, this is why it's also called a fuck you room, That's right? right. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. So, uh, I have never designed one of those. I So... I will say that I have always come at running my games from a, I am the, the character's biggest fan. Uh, yes. So I try, I, I have always very much tried to not be a screw you DM. Um, and I'm not saying that anyone that follows the rules strictly is a screw you DM, but I have never made, I don't think I've ever, and uh, you let me know. I don't think I've ever made, I've ever stepped in the mistake of, of a completely illogical like just to screw people over, kind of. No, thing. no, no, no. Um, I have created narratives that don't hold up under scrutiny. <laughs> How's that? Uh, listen, I will. Uh, again, this is what this episode right yeah. is about. The things. So, like that the first tra- time I tried to write a campaign, it was centered around time travel. Ooh, that's an ambitious. It right. It bite was. The apple. You wake up. They woke up with amnesia after the obvious signs of a terrible battle, and then the last encounter was them going back that, in time and fighting themselves. So they started at one end of the battle. Sure, sure, sure. And they end at the other end of the battle. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, and it did it hold up under logical scrutiny? Nope. <laughs> did it end when one player said, I kill myself? And I was like... <laughs> well, there, there's well the, the ancient the, one would tell us that that created a new timeline. Exactly, line. right, exactly. <laughs> But it's that comic of the guy going, ah, with the finger up, and then yeah. going, oh, with the finger down. <laughs> oh, I didn't think of that. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, okay, I guess we're done. Um, I tried to be a little bit more 
That's what I like with Eberron. I based all of my stories off of Pulp Fiction. It was all Indiana Jones. It was all that kind of stuff. Well, I think that's the great place. So that's the the flip side. I think that's the way to make it work. The flip side of, boy, like saying we're going to play in Middle Earth. And I've played the Middle Earth role-playing system. Oh, have you system. played it? Yeah. What it, is the system? Is it its own system? It's, or it's, it's, no, no. It's it's, not... it's it's its own system. Okay. And it's interesting conceptually. Is it? It's a, not a great is, mechanical system. Let me ask you a question yeah. because I've been looking at different things. Is it a dice pool mechanic? Tell me what that. I'm I've noticed sure. so many of these games use yeah. dice pools, where you roll four d sixes. Are any of them a six? Oh no, or a success? No, no, no. Okay, no. Um, it is. I would say it. It goes back to like the it. it it vastly predates any of those, I would say, like more evolved mechanics. I'm not okay. saying evolved is better, but I'm saying like built on prior sure. uh, systems. Um, as a system, it's not a great system. Okay. And it has the, and on top of that, it has the, the, the drawback of being set in essentially a closed universe, right? Like, so to set a system, and I love reading Cthulhu stuff. Right. I don't think it necessarily makes for a great game setting because we know how it ends. You lose. Everyone loses, right? Yeah. I, um, so Cthulhu, Middle Earth, um, like a Game of Thrones setting. Un- unless you're one of the characters in this world event, what do I what what do I care? Did you ever look at the Game of Thrones role playing game? I I know that it exists, and because of my long track record of how shitty those other systems are. No, I have not. <laughs> but my favorite thing about that when it came out, and you know, someone correct me if I'm wrong, you have one hit point. Uh, okay. So that oh, so literally no one has plot armor. Exactly. Got it. Unless you're a knight. Then you get two? Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. I mean okay. It was harder to hit you if you were wearing armor, but yeah, if you were a farmer, yep. it was you get stabbed with a knife, you die. You die. Okay. Because they were going, their entire concept, again, if you, there's an essay in um, the Cobalt Guides to Game Mastering, and it's by, I'm going to not remember, um, but he says, like, you have your ideological core of the game you're designing. Yep. And I think they just took the ideological core of Game of Thrones, which sure. was anyone can die at any time. No one's protected. No don't one is used. safe. Don't get hit. Ha- don't get, exactly. Yeah, don't like So, well, how do we do that? Well, if you get stabbed with a knife, you die. You die. But so, game mechanics aside, which I I think I'd be hard pressed to. I haven't played that, but I'd be skeptical on the face of that mechanic. There's but a reason e- it's not the most popular role playing game, e- probably. Probably, but even just to set, even if you took like a D20 system and, and set it in Westeros, unless I'm part of like the events of this mm-hmm. book series. Why do I care? So I'm I'm kind of there with you in that. I don't necessarily like... Now, I don't want to play in a world that is... Again, I love... Uh, Lord of the Rings, I have a deep fondness for it. Sure. I'm not like a huge Lord of the Rings fan, but Same. I have a deep fondness for it. But that's a pretty limited world. You know, unless you are in the direct path of those events... Sure. It's like, I'm a hobbit in the Shire. Yeah. I, I went farming today. And, and right. Then I drank, and then I went to bed, and then I rinsed and repeated. What are you doing tomorrow? No, yeah. I'm going to go farming. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Listen, I'm going to go down to Buckleberry Ferry. Um, right. 
You might make your way to the Prancing Pony. Exactly. Maybe. It, 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 like, okay. Big night out. Well, maybe you play a ranger. Now, okay, you play a ranger. What are you doing? You can't av advance any significant events. And there's this massive overarching series of events that are happening that you're not part of. Exactly. Now, I'd be more apt to do something like that as a one-off. Like, mm -hmm. let's say we're having a random session where some of our players can't make it. We've got a guest. We're You're going to... I've got a scenario... What we did for Corey's birthday party. Yeah. One-offs. And this is this is a, an idea. So I'm going to tie this to something that I've been working on. Mm. And I'll talk to you about it. And I, I don't, I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast. Not too much. Um, the idea of there are games that are being designed now that are designed for short-form TTRPG play. Oh. They're designed for a session or two. You play this for a session or two. Sure. It's a, it's a tight, easy-to-play it doesn't have to hold game. up under the weight not of a long epic form. saga. Yeah. So you're not a critical role person. You're aware of it, but you I'm don't. aware of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, they just released a horror, a Victorian horror game. Wow. That is designed for short play. Okay. Um, called Candel Candela Obscura. And <laughs> nice. It is. It's centered around like esoteric investigations of supernatural and eldritch events in sure. a Victorian esque setting. Um. I, I'm interested. Exactly, yeah. right? And I looked at their design elements, and people, when they saw the design game, they said, okay, so it's it's um, it's Blades in the Dark, which is... Uh, Isn't that where the, we get the shimple from? Yeah, the shimple. The <laughs> shimple. When you've, wait, if you've heard us talk about the shimple, the shimple is just a 3D printed progress clock. But we call it the but shimple. The concept of making progress or losing progress mm -hmm. against... Something big, right? Yes, exactly. It's where we got flashbacks too. Was also mm. from Blades in the Dark. I prepared for this. Yes. Um, so those are and those are cool elements. Yes. And from what I've heard about people who run full Blades in the Dark campaign, it's actually a pretty complex system. Okay. But those are two nice things you can yoink out of it to yep. put in anything. Um, but Candela Obscura was very much heavily and heavily uh, influenced by Powered by the Apocalypse. Yep. And um, uh, Blades in the Dark, which I believe started as a Powered by the Apocalypse-esque thing. I think you're right. Powered by the Apocalypse has a huge reach. Uh, yeah. It, which it is interesting to me. been on my radar until, I think you, you and Josh a bunch have of different games. And you're like, yeah. oh, it's Powered by the Apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's this. The, oh, the, the best-selling TTRPG Kickstarter of all time, the Avatar of the Legends, the role-playing game, is a Powered by the Apocalypse setting. And... As your listeners may or may not know, you and I share a love of Kickstarter. We do. A, a, well, yeah. Much to our wife's chagrin, <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. Mine's not listening. I, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, to be fair, mine's not either. <laughs> to be fair. To be fair. Uh, um, but yeah, they chose, and they explained why they picked Powered by the Apocalypse. And Powered by the Apocalypse, every character class has yep. a playbook. Three to four pages long. Sure. It tells you the different kinds of things. It's based on... Um, you know, you can do this, uh, and it's dice pool math. And it feels, I think those mechanics very much you can trace. So, from you know my limited knowledge of that, feels like fourth done, fourth edition of D anD D was similar to that. Mm -hmm. If you're a warlord, this is the way you play a warlord. Exactly. And very influenced by the growth of video games, mm -hmm. video role playing games. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely, and. If you look at, and that, that same strand, you can see the strand that connects from there to things like MCDM, 
um, which is Matt Coville's sure. uh, company. We and use some of the mechanics exactly. for Corey's exactly. birthday party. They're yeah. action-oriented monsters. Yep. Are well, this this monster is a commander. Sure. But he makes no quibbles and qualms. He loved fourth edition. Sure. I, he loved I, fourth edition. I, you know, I hated fourth edition when it came out. To be fair, I never played it, but I was reacting. Oh, did you never play it? I never played it. I was like, why would they do this? Now, in retrospect, you know, you essentially needed to be a calculus major to figure yeah. some of the skills. It wasn't a and, perfect system. It was But complex. I enjoyed it. I played I, it and enjoyed it. Uh, listen, I miss prestige classes. If there's oh. one thing I would bring to, well, two things I would bring to fifth to one D&D. Okay. Would be feats are built in. Which is good now because now they are. Good. Uh, but I don't want to have to sacrifice an ability score increase. Right. I want feats That's and why we need to size. develop more half feats. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, yes. Everything is all half feats Everything now. Everything is um, And two, uh, prestige classes. Yeah. yeah. 100%. You could take that. Oh, man. There were some cool prestige classes. I didn't like feat trees. No. I didn't like having to take, first you have to take this, then you take this, uh, before I can finally get I, spring attack. Come on. I, I just want spring attack. So as much as I'm a rules lawyer, I guess I'm a... I, I guess I'm rules lawyer esque because I like the structure, but I've never been a min maxer. Mm -hmm. I have played at tables who, with people who will remain nameless, who were min maxers. Like, like all of a sudden, one session they we gained a level, and now they've dominated twenty minutes of a combat because they've been setting up this perfect build for fourteen levels. Yeah, and now we'll just watch while they Superman around the. The, the that, field. And yeah. you're like, okay, that's cool. But is it fun? No. No. And more importantly, it's not fun for... I, I think that... Well, this is just a, a, you know my personal philosophy. And I, I bring it to me... I bring it to the table as a player. Okay. And so I, I sort of expect it when I come to the table as a DM. That everyone is prioritizing everyone's fun. Uh, th that's a perp... Yes. You should... Everyone should be prioritizing everyone else's fun. And if what you're doing comes at the expense of other people's fun, why are you doing it? Don't do it. So I think I think there's two fundamental rules when you start playing or DMing. So I already mm -hmm. shared the playing. Rule number one, you're learning a game, sit at the table with friendly people that know what they're doing. It's all about the people. When you're DMing, I think the fundamental rule is it is not, and you alluded to this, it is not you versus the players. Nope. You are working with the players to tell this story. And they are, the they are the main characters. They are the main characters. They are the main characters. They are the heroes. You want them to win by the skin of their teeth. That's right. There, there has to be stakes for there to be conflict. People can die. You have to have conflict, have drama. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You, people can die. It's, it, that's not saying, mm -hmm. well, I let them get whatever they want and they always win. No. no. People make bad decisions. That would they be boring for them. They should pay the price of making yeah, exactly. bad decisions. Yeah. You, that would be not fun for the players. The exactly. players want to. So, yeah. So I was thinking about this like short form. Design things I don't like. Yes. Sorry. This is all over the place. It's a 9% alcohol beer. <laughs> what do we expect of you? <laughs> um, and we're already at 43 minutes. Uh, Candela Obscura, the biggest design problem I have with it is the character sheet. You have to erase and color in and erase and color in. Oh. It, it'll last a session yeah. before it falls apart. Exactly. Um, well, so, you've seen when we play. I'm not oh, yet a digital player. I have my I, character sheet, but then I have the scrap paper where I'm... Mm -hmm. Doing hit points and spell sure. slots. and I'm a paper guy. And when I erase through that sheet, it gets thrown out. Mm -hmm. And the character sheet is pristine. So, so, have I told you about one last adventure? 
No. Okay. One last adventure is going to be season two of our oh, preview. Oh, hey. Season two. This I is what think, we call I a think, teaser. I yeah. think this is going to end up being season two once Estrock is finished and we're playing Estrock 5th edition. Our, our show will be more about developing. We'll have developed monsters, classes, races. Now it's time to develop a system. Sure. And the system idea I have is called One Last Adventure. Okay. It is a short form TTRPG meant yep. to be played over one to three sessions with... Two to four players max, including the, the the game master. Okay. So you never have more than three player characters. Got it. The entire genre is a forty year a forty year long retired hero who has to get dragged <laughs> out of retirement to save the world. So if Danny Glover is not that's one of the quotes for the chapter <laughs> headers. I'm too old, I'm too old for, for this shit. shit. Is one of the quotes. For the chapter headers, it's all King Conan, Danny sure. Glover. Yeah, it's all and it, all of the tropes. The of world those weary, stories. probably. Um, uh, it's clearly Bruce Willis, right? He's, like he's, every world weary hero. And right? you start is you're you're super powerful. And that's well, I want to do a game where instead of starting not powerful oh. and getting stronger, you start really strong, but you start taking wounds. Sure. Your knee doesn't heal the same way it does. (laughs) Your magic fails you. I get the bum shoulders. You get the bum. And it's a resource management game. Oh, that's great. But the resource you're managing is your ability (laughs) to stay alive. It's like, do you have the grit to get through to the end? And there's all sorts of things. Like you start, like you do, you start. And I'm, and as of right now, I'm playing with subtractive math, which is like, why are you subtracting? But I like this idea of there being, we'll call it a DC for the sake of what we're doing. Sure. Um, a legendary scale that starts high and gets sh- smaller. Yep. And what it represents is how much you've been forgotten. Oh. So if you think about like the DC for someone to recognize you, sure. well, they're very obscure. It's going to be a high DC to recognize. But then you start adventuring through the world and doing heroic things, it gets easier and easier to recognize sure, you. Sure, sure, sure. And so certain things get easier. Bullying the guards to get past them, much easier as the number gets lower. Yeah. The bad guy who you don't want to know you exist much easier for them to know you exist too. So also stuff like that, you know, having your great shame, you know, a shame from your past, um, oh, a, yeah. a secret you kept. Okay. So this is really bringing in some storytelling elements that I think really interesting. It's built all on the, tro- the tropes of those yeah, stories. Yeah. No, that's so great. So it's, the idea of call is to call it one last adventure. And then I really like the idea of the, the system being called one last go. Sure. Because yeah, yeah. then you could make a Western version. Of course. One last ride. Uh, yeah. You could do a spy version, one last mission. Oh my god. You could do sci-fi, you one, could last, do a, one, one last one last trip. Right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. You could do any genre you want. I'm in, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but that and I'm really excited about this, but math is hard. <laughs> math sucks. <laughs> I'm sitting here and I want to use D12s for everything because I'm a huge fan the of under, the D12. The underappreciated the underventure with D12. Yeah. But you know, and that might be the, the sin and design sin of complication for the sake of complication there's a reason why this pile of books i've got here several of them use d6s only yes yeah lots of games just use d6s because everyone has them and it's easy to get you need 40 of them very easy Mm -hmm. to get that yep one of the design elements i saw in this that i don't like i don't like this this is the marvel the marvel role-playing game system this is the so for those of us who are very old it's not the old Marvel. Right. This is the new one. This is the new multiverse one. Yeah. Copyright only a couple years ago. But they have a D616. Okay. 
Which is two yep. D6s plus a third D6 that has to look different. Sure, yeah. You know. I don't... <sighs> uh, yeah, gimmicky dice. You know what that tells me? You want me to buy your dice. And they say, well, you can buy the official of course Mar- which can. got a Marvel symbol for the, yeah. the six. Yeah. But like... Uh, no, I'm good. No. I'm that's good. like with one last go, I'm like, okay, so it's just straight D6s. Sure. It's a, D6, it's a D12 pool um, is what I'm playing with now. So you roll D12, now, multiple D12s. Now, uh, counterpoint is I hearing know. this for the first time. The challenge is if I go to my dice bag, I can pull up... Two D12s only because I'm a little bit anal about having enough dice and I have two complete dice sets in my bag. So I have two D12s. You're going to, you know, I think you're going to ask people to show up with the, the resource that they have the fewest of. I know. And and I'm, I'm and if nothing, D12 is going to be in there. God damn okay, it. Okay, great. But I might do D6 pools and then D12s for, for something special. special. Yeah, maybe save it for something special. But like special. there's, you know, I'm trying to think of like levels of, you know, having... Uh, your stats are really just mind, body, and magic. Okay. Yep. And you can assign, you have 15 points that you can assign between those three. Sure. So you're doing Conan, maybe your magic is zero, but your mind is... Three and... Or... Well, Conan was really smart. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, Arnold's five. Conan. Sure. Yeah, sure, exactly. Sure, sure. But like, he might be a 10-5. Yeah, 10-5-0. Sure. Um, and then like, I'm, I'm, I, can't, I, I have a notebook full of notes like, Falling to zero is different than starting at zero because there's consequences if you, your stat drops to zero. Okay, but if your stat started at zero, well, like I can't, I can't Conan has no magic. This. Exactly, it, it, you know, and it's meant to be played like short form. Like yeah, this yeah. is like one last adventure. Sure, sure, and sure. Do, and there's going to be like there can be NPCs. That's like the young the young sidekick who's like in awe of you. And I think of like crystals. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I was not. Interestingly, <laughs> I was thinking of the same actor. Okay. Because I was thinking of Constantine, where he plays oh. Constantine's young sidekick sure, who's sure, learning sure. ropes. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I forget what his name was in that, but... Uh, I, the cab I, driver, yeah. Yeah, he's the cab driver from in Constantine with Keanu Reeves. Yep. But, um, yeah. That's, okay. That's where I am. All right. So, I so, mean, we keep going. We're, so, I have one yeah. last, one right, last yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, the last thing. And, and this, is the, this is, in my mind, the hardest challenge... As I've tried to be a creative person playing role-playing games for, you know, mm-hmm. four decades. You go from the Monty Hall. You go to the rigid, rules, inflexible, yeah, the lawyer, yeah. right? Um, then the, the last challenge, and I have not yet mastered this, and as my children who are now fans of Dungeons mm-hmm. & Dragons and play and design stuff, the one that I'm trying to get them to focus on, because I still haven't mastered it, and you know how with your kids you want them to be better at the yep. stuff you're not going to... Um, writing adventures that don't railroad the party. Yeah. That's, that's a hard one. It's not your, and I will freely admit that I struggle with that. I constantly have to go like, well, this is what I want to happen. What am I going to do when it's not what happens? Right. So we're both playing Baldur's Gate 3 now, like half of the geek world, right? Playing Baldur's Gate 3. Um, I would argue. Baldur's Gate Anonymous at this point. Yeah. (laughs) I've gone two days without playing. Yeah. Hi, my name's Hi, I'm a Baldur's Gate player. Um, I feel like that's the first computer role-playing game that has approached the open-ended nature of a tabletop role-playing game mm-hmm. to any degree. Because otherwise, you're every like fi- the first Final Fantasy game on PlayStation, right? Like, yeah, was an amazing game, but you were kind of going from Point big a. thing to big thing, sure. right? And there's a fight in there, and maybe the dialogue makes it a little bit different. Oh, Daisy. 
Um, but I, that is the challenge. So how do you know? I love that you're willing to share your own vulnerabilities there. But how do you approach the special dice? Special dice. How do you approach that challenge? And because I, 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 you know, I want to learn as well. Like, you have to so, like, and you do. You have to let go, and you have to. Well, and that's the thing. You need to be willing to also. If you try to be a mystery from behind your screen mm -hmm. and not communicate with your players what, you know, to an extent, what you're trying to do as well, like, there's nothing wrong with saying, all right, I've set up this whole scenario and I've done it with this big flowery DM language. Everyone's staring at me very blankly. You're supposed to go get the thing. Yeah. <laughs> you, I appreciate, you occasionally will, editorial, you'll like, give us that Here's what the mission aside. log says, yes. folks. Yes, and that's helpful because our group of seven players has the, the full range. We have four decades of play. We have never played before. That's right, and we sometimes will fixate on that thing that is like a doorstopper, right? Exactly. And you're, and you're like, guys, move on. It's not. I'm like, I'm, there's nothing. Like, there. There's no there there. And I, I learned that that's one of those things that I took away from Mike Shea. Yeah. Um. Uh. And the, the lazy DM stuff. Like, it's okay to like say, wait a second. Nigel, that's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I promise you, that's nothing. Okay, let's go. That, that, no, that's a great. That's that's really refreshing. But, but really there's refreshing. there's there's carvings on this archway. Yes, because I was describing. I was describing. Yeah. I was just describing it to make it look cool. <laughs> Let me have this. <laughs> Stop Listen, breaking my stuff. I never am going to write a novel. This is this is as close as I get. <laughs> um, but absolutely, and yeah, that the idea the idea that you can be the fan of the character. However, again, you can go too far. Sure. You can let them get away with too much. I for sure let people get away with too much, I'm sure, at times. Um, but L let me ask you. Okay, go ahead. So the last thing I have. Right? Sure, 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 sure. The sure. last thing I have. So call back to one of our sessions, our Candlekeep sessions. Okay. The, the campaign you run. Yep. I play Raven. Yep. My high elf wizard. Yep, yep, yep. I love elf. I love elves. I love wizards. It's kind of my thing. I'll play other characters, but if no one's taking the spellcaster, I'm happy to do it. I like the work of what do I think I know about this next phase of the adventure? And of my spell book, what are the spells that I think I should carry? Sure. Now, I knew nothing other than the fact that we were in a swamp. Mm -hmm. And I made a choice to carry the... Uh, what's It's from... It's either Xanathar's or Tasha's guy, the... The daylight, uh, the movable moonbeam. No, it's no, not moonbeam. It's um, sun, but it's like a. It's a it's a tactical nuke, you know, laser from the satellite. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. I forget the name of the spell, but I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the the, the one the, the, the tavern. Yes, and in retrospect, I felt bad, like I had inadvertent, like I had made the adventure a whole lot easier because it happened that we were fighting molds and stuff that were vulnerable to daylight. Or sunlight. And you know what? I think... And that's just... that's If you want to point at design flaws in Dungeons & Dragons... Sure. It's that as characters get higher level, it, it becomes infinitely harder to challenge them. However, there is a reward to how much creativity goes into the problem solving. Mm. And so... I also firmly will admit that I'm sitting there behind the screen. Again, this is a Mike Shea thing with my hands on the dials. If I want to make it harder, I'll make it harder. Sure. Like, no, it's got 
four times more hit points than you think yeah. it does. You're not killing it in two rounds. I feel like no, this needs to run a this little is, longer. This is the boss. Yeah. Yeah, He grabs the gem on the side of the throne. Yeah, he pulls the gem and crushes it in his hand. You see magic flowing through him. He now has four times more hit points. That's right, that's right. 100 percent have done that. <laughs> and and I think you have to, because yeah. that is the other end of the spectrum. That is making sure that your characters have a fun time. I do not think it's fun to win instantly and immediately. Yeah. But like in that instance, you saved one of the characters. Right. Because the healer went down. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly, the healer would was gonna die because I think you're correct. Because I mean, some of them were yeah. Rodwolf does not power game his characters. No. And Rodwolf who, will dump stat con. Who which, full disclosure, have never met someone who will dump stat con. Rodwolf will, and he will unapologetically and he'll play pay it. the price. Yeah. Yep. And he's like, no, I'm down. Yeah. And we're like, like, wait, I'm sorry. What? He's like, but I'm the healer. Yeah. You gotta save me. <laughs> yeah, <that's> right, <laughs> <laughs> um but no that I didn't I didn't feel bad. I thought that was like that was really cool. I'm like, okay. All right. Thinking on my feet. How is it, you know, yeah, how's yeah. this gonna work? And it ended up being just perfectly okay. It's 100% okay for the characters to kick ass and take names every now and then. Because there's been other encounters where you guys have really struggled. Sure, sure, sure. So I love it when I've built a huge, very complex scenario and somebody's like, oh, I've got just the thing for this. Or I think there was one time when uh, Jody, I was so proud of her. It was just a, it was a silly little random city encounter. Yeah. Where there was like a cask of ale, a bunch of casks of ale, but and it was washing a child down the street. And oh, she, yes. And she was like, um, well, I have Misty Step. That's and right. Misty Step. Everyone, like three different people tried to grab it and failed. And they were yes, all like slipping and right. drowning in the beer. And she's like, I just Misty Step and grab it. And your wife playing for the, essentially the first, first time. time. Yeah. 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 So I was like. How, right. That, the, right. Yes. That's beautiful. the core of together we want to tell an exciting story. So mm-hmm. there has to be risks, but we're all in it together. She, she did the exact, she did something similar during the big end of the Candlekeep arc. When yep. you guys were fighting the big monster and yes. she killed it with a hellish rebuke. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like yes. it was literally killing her. Yeah. And she's like, hellish rebuke. It had like four hit points left. Yeah. And and she was like, boop. That, that's right. <laughs> and she so, booped it on the snoot and killed it. That's her. That is the mechanic for her hellish rebuke. And I is, think, is she boops it on the snoot. <laughs> and that's the beauty of people who have never played is bringing in this fresh set of eyes. That's yeah. so much fun. And that's and that's why it is a great game. So we didn't really jump into a lot of like the foibles of different systems. That's okay. Read other systems, yeah. check them out, see what you like, you enjoy. Play a game with a dice pool. Yeah. It's interesting. Ten Candles is a dice pool game. It and um, it's, it was surprisingly fun. Exactly. And maybe someday we'll play one last adventure and we'll see how how it works. I can't wait. Um I think your listeners should one hundred percent share their Oh yeah, their lessons Please. learned stories. What I have made, you figured yeah, out? I made all potions heal the max amount of points. <laughs> Just easier that way. I don't mind bonus action potion drinking. No, no, that's a homebrew. That, that's, that's a very common yeah. one. Bonus action home, uh, potion drinking. Um, Baldur's Gate has made me think that shove should just always be a, a an option and a bonus action because I'm like, well. I don't want to not use it. It's got that little colored tab. Yeah. I need I need to at least <laughs> that's right. shove some shit. That's right. Um, apologize for the cur- the apologize for the salty language. Yeah, that'd that's be the beer. Um, that's the yeah. yeah. Um, that's my favorite thing in Ted uh, Lasso is every time someone does something really vulgar and he's like, "Apologies for the salty language." That's, that's, right. that's, right. Um, that's right. But yeah, I I think that's all of our time for today. Todd, thank you so much for getting up here and uh, 
recording with me. Thank you to everyone listening and supporting at home. For more information or to peruse the latest drafts for our creations, visit our website at www.fourthpillarplay. All spelled out. Where you can also like, follow, or message us on Instagram. Because that's Scott right. X. Yep, that's right. And thank you again. Todd, I look forward to creating more with you. Yes. And I look forward to more to creating more with you at home as well. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye.